Welcome to Focus, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Mr. Mike Schmitz. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, I've got a few things going on right now, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you do. Your whole world is changing. Yeah, this show will drop um, on Tuesday, January 4th. That's just the day after I will have announced that I am no longer a lawyer. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel I feel like from the outside, this has been a long time coming. Uh, listening to the Mac Power Users episode where you talked to Stephen about this, his words were, it's about dang time. And uh, I think anybody who has been following Mac Sparky for a while would kind of feel the, the same way. But we're going to get into all the nuance, I'm sure. And you've got conflicting emotions, I'm sure. Which, uh, But I, I think this is... Kind of the the next step for you personally. You've been talking to me about this for quite a while, yeah. And uh, it's kind of cool to see you make this this move. You know, this show started off as free agents with you and, and Jason Snell. I stepped in for Jason, and we shifted focus a little bit. But uh, I, I feel like this is the story of Max Sparky, and I'm excited to kind of unpack this and get into uh, probably your words, the hippie part of this process <laughs> here on this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a crazy few months. I mean, I really made the decision in early October, and the last three months I have been uh, paddling like crazy to get everything taken care of, the clients safely off to good lawyers, and all the pieces in place for me to to actually pull this off. So, as you embark on this uh, this new journey, how are you you feeling? Are you excited? Are you panicked? Are you uh, confident? Are you unsure about what what uh, lies ahead? Kind of talk us through how you're feeling right now. Um, I am fine. You know, it, it's funny because when I left my firm to go out on my own, uh, was seven years ago now, I was more nervous about that, you know, because having been on somebody else's paycheck for so long, it was a very safe and secure thing. And then going out on your own, you never know. And that was something I second guessed a lot about, but this is really a strange process. I mean, I wrote about it in a blog post and and we'll put the link in the show notes, but I I know that you and Steven say that you've seen this coming and I'll be entirely honest with you that I did not see this coming. You know, we have that group we're in the creators guild and the, um, it really grew out of one of those meetings and, and the decision came rather quickly. It was like, it was like kind of hidden in plain sight for me, if that makes sense. Sure. I know you've talked a lot about the specifics of the the process. We'll put a link to the post that you mentioned in the uh, the show notes. And uh, listening to the MPU episode, you kind of talked through the mechanics of, of all of this. Uh, so we won't go through the, the exact same process here. But I, I do want to kind of unpack that Creators Guild decision a little bit. Can you kind of walk us through what happened in that meeting and kind of how you arrived at at this decision? Well, I mean, I am during the meeting, I was talking to you and some friends and saying, look, you know, this year I only got one field guide shipped and this being 2021. um, And I was disappointed in myself. But, you know, the problem is always the, you know, the fact that when you're a lawyer, you just never know when a client's going to need you. And that always comes first, you know, it's hard not to make that the thing that comes first when you're taking care of other people's needs. And 
So uh, the gang was saying, well, you got to figure out a way to get more time into Max Sparky. And I think you or Ernie, one of somebody challenged me to say, hey, you know, next week, give, you know, tell us how you're going to do better at this, you know? And at the time, I had decided, I mean, almost immediately, you know, how arrogance takes over sometimes. I'm like, oh, this is easy. I'll just get rid of like 25% of my legal work. And that'll that'll sting a little bit, but it'll give me more time to do the stuff that I really want to be doing. And I had thought that's what I'm going to tell these guys a week from now when we meet. I had like already had the end of the story written, and it was only after like hanging up on the call and doing some reflection that I really pretty quickly came to the conclusion: No, I can't get rid of just twenty five percent. I got to get rid of them all. And it was like, um, you know, I thought about it. I talked to a couple of lawyer friends. I talked to Daisy and the more I thought about it, it felt like a weight being lifted off my chest, you know, <laughs> because it, it, I know this sounds uh, silly, but you know, when you, you take care of other people's problems all day, it is a, it is a burden. And the idea of, as I wrap my head around the idea of what if I didn't have that burden anymore, what would my life be like? And I very quickly, I mean, like within hours, of us finishing that call, I was pretty sure I was going to be shutting it down. So this escalated pretty quickly then. Yeah. Uh, I I was kind of curious, you know, I could see a a scenario where you get off the call and you've kind of made that decision. Well, I'm going to let go of 25% because that's going to give me some movement in the right direction and, you know, make those guys happy, but I don't have to completely change my life. Yeah. And then uh, you incrementally, as you're talking through things, this is kind of the way my brain would work. Well, maybe 35%. Well, maybe 50%. Well, maybe 60%. But it sounds like that was that was pretty easy for you to get from 25% to 100%. And I got to go in all, all in with this. Yeah, I went from 25 to 50 to 100 in a couple okay. hours. And and I really didn't like make the decision for sure, but I really liked, I wanted to sleep on it and just kind of like get comfortable with what would my life be like without this. I mean, the good and the bad. Um and then I called and did reality checks with some of my most trusted advisors, you know, some of my lawyer friends, some of my personal friends, some of my family, and just said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Do you think it's nuts? And I was particularly interested in my lawyer friends' thoughts on it. And each one of them thought, no, man, you should do this. I don't know why you're not doing it. I'm jealous that I can't do it. And um and that really kind of sunk in with me. I, I didn't realize how many of my lawyer friends are very unhappy being lawyers. I, I wasn't miserable with it. I just I just had too many things going on. Was there any advice that you got either for staying with the law career or going all in with Max Sparky that you thought was really great specific advice? Or was it just kind of the responses to the news as you were breaking it to people and kind of gauging their reactions to things? No, there really wasn't. I mean, I'm always constantly, you know, thinking about, I mean, in a good way, I think about the fact that I'm going to die, right? Yep. And one of the things that occurred to me was that, you know, I'm not a spring chicken, but I'm not old, but, you know, my dad died young. I mean, if I'm on his schedule, I only have nine years left. And that thinking about it in those terms, like, okay, so let's say that, you know, I don't have an unlimited amount of time to stick around. What do I want to accomplish in the time I have? And 
thinking about that in terms of the law, there was really nothing. I mean, I, it's a good profession. I make good money at it. I've got clients that like me. I could have done it for as long as I wanted really, you know? So there was a security thing about it, but I didn't really feel like I had anything I wanted to accomplish. Whereas with Max Sparky, I've got a bunch of ideas, you know, contextual computing and better field guides. And I feel like I can really make a difference and have purpose with that stuff. And as I got thinking about, well, why am I doing anything that is not giving me time to do this purpose, you know, this thing that is so important to me? And I think that is really the driver for me of this whole decision. I mean, money, of course, matters and all this other stuff. But but the idea of limited time, what am I going to do with it? Um, I think that was really the, the fundamental driver. Was there anything, because you mentioned that there wasn't anything unchecked basically on your lawyer list, but there were lots of things that you were wanting to get done on the Max Sparky side, if I am hearing you correctly. Yeah. Uh, did you ever, at the beginning of your law career, identify like when I achieve this, whether that's practicing for 20 years or whatever, because I know you have a blog post about that too, where that was kind of like the thing that you wanted to accomplish with your law career? Or did it just kind of, I want to become a lawyer and then you just knocking down the next domino. And at this point, you're kind of seeing that there's no more dominoes to knock over and you're switching gears to Max Sparky. Um, when I first told my dad I wanted to be a lawyer, he didn't. He was against it. He thought that, you know, because of the nature of the profession, that it would compromise me morally. And that really sunk in with me. So my goal always as a lawyer was to be an honest lawyer and a good one and someone who took care of clients and worried more about getting client results than charging an arm and a leg. And I realized very early that that was going to have a cost. You know, like I didn't go into the big firm and look for the big bucks as a lawyer because I felt like the way I wanted to practice didn't really jive with those types of scenarios. So it, my goal as a lawyer was a process goal. It was to continue to do it ethically, you know, and to, I was like the, the term I like to use with clients was I like to say, I'm a country doctor lawyer. You know, I'm, I'm going to get you the best possible result without charging you crazy dollars. And I'm going to tell you when you're being foolish and, and to, to back away from something dumb. And, you know, almost like, um, well, I guess a country doctor practice. I don't know how else to put it. And so that was always the goal with the law practice was to maintain that, to do something that my dad would be proud of. And um, so that was the goal there. But I feel like I did that, you know, and that's not a reason to hold on to it. I like that, uh, that analogy, the country doctor. I think that's easy to, to understand. Um, is there anything from your law career that you wish you would have been able to accomplish? Is there anything that's left unchecked as you make this shift to Max Sparky, given, as you mentioned, the, the limited time that we have remaining? You know, I just read 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that way, way too. But uh, is there anything that you wish you would have gotten to that you didn't. Yeah. And first, a side note, I read that Berkman book, I think in September. So maybe that did play a role in all this. I don't know. But the, um, but either way, no, not really. I mean, I think when I was a young guy, um, maybe I had like every kid in law school says, well, maybe someday I'll become a judge. But I, I quickly realized that I would be a terrible judge because I don't really like judging people. And, um, 
that's the job, you know? So, mm-hmm. so I, I really never, you know, I felt like I got where I wanted to be. I mean, the, the clients I have or had were friends. I mean, they all became friends over a period of time. Some of these people I represented my entire career. One of them, I remember, um, when I first started practicing, he had a small business and he had a brand new baby boy and he wanted to make sure that if something happened to him that he was protected. And so I helped him with uh, getting set up with an estate plan and doing all this stuff for this baby boy. And then I'll never forget, like in October, when I called him to tell him I was hanging it up, his son was also on the call because the son has an MBA and his son helps run the business with him now. And I've been working with the son as much as him the last three or four years. And like, it's a generational business and I've been there for both generations. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be somebody that people could rely on that, you know, I mean, even though I don't do criminal law, I would get calls at 10 o'clock at night when somebody's, you know, son got, you know, drunk driving and they needed an attorney, you know, or, or I'd get a call when somebody's wife suddenly had cancer and they didn't know what to do about an estate plan, stuff that I don't do, but I was the guy that they would call and I would make sure they got taken care of. And that was a very satisfying practice. As you look back on the lawyer career, uh, what is some of the most rewarding experiences that you had? Is there any specific points that you just reflect on and brings a smile to your face? I'm really glad that I was able to do this thing. The, um, at the beginning of my career, I was very much trial attorney and I could tell you horror stories about being in trials and dealing with juries and having juries come back. And that, that is so, um, I mean, so affirming, you know, when you win a case that you work so hard on and that, that is a, it's almost like a drug, you know, it, it, it's such a high you get from it. But, uh, to be honest, in hindsight, the stuff that I'm most proud of is stuff that, that doesn't involve a jury. It's, it's, um, the way I got most of my clients through the pandemic and, and was able to keep them afloat uh, through very clever lawyering in some cases, or, um, the way I was able to take, uh, like at one point I had a client that him and his son were, um, a father, son owned a restaurant and they were ready to go to war with each other. And I knew they were both good quality people and they just weren't seeing each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And rather than take them down the road of litigation, I, I begged them to go to therapy together. And then, after like a month of therapy, they started to figure each other out and they're still in business and they, they have a great relationship now. And I was able to like diffuse a bomb with, um, stuff that wasn't even legal work. And that that's the stuff to me that stands out about the practice. Nice. Uh, as we wrap up this section, I want to get into some of the thought process stuff, some of the emotional stuff. Uh, but since we're still talking about the law practice, you have in a recent post, some of your reflection questions from the end of the year. Yeah. And there's one specifically that I really like that you uh, say summarize the last year in a single sentence. So I'm going to ask you oh boy. to summarize your law career <laughs> in a single sentence. Oh boy. Um, that's a no good one. I'm putting you on the, yeah, on the I know. spot here. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's good though. It's good. You know, always did his best and no regrets, you know, something like that. I like that. 
This episode of the Focus Podcast is brought to you by Indeed. Get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post. Just go to indeed.com slash focused. 2022 is the year you're going to make the leap and turn your passion into profit, but you need the right team to make it happen. Trust me, I'm in the same place. Indeed makes it easy to hire and build a team with the right skills to make your dreams a reality. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements, or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all, and that's Indeed. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. It's pretty incredible how easy Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. And here's a stat for you. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to TalentNest. So start hiring right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com dot com slash focused f-o-c-u-s-e-d now this offer is valid through march 31st so go to indeed.com slash focused to claim your 75 dollar credit before march 31st once again indeed.com slash focused and terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed and our thanks to indeed for their support of the focus podcast and all of relay fm so let's get into some of the things that you were feeling as you went through this this process, because I know this has been a, a couple of months of real hard work on your part and trying to anticipate all of the places where things could fall down so you could make a smooth transition, but things don't always go uh, according to plan. Yeah. Uh, as we record this, you're right at the end of this. By the time it publishes, you're done being a lawyer. So what was the hardest part about this transition for you? Um, I think it was the phone calls, you know, because I've got a hundred or so clients that, that I've got kind of, that I've taken care of. And some of them are people that I talk to regularly. And some of them are people I talk to every year or two. So it's not like I'm there. Some of them are very low volume clients, but I didn't want to like, just send out an email blast. Hey, everybody, I'm no longer a lawyer. Go find a new one. Good luck. You know, in fact, one of my lawyer friends told me that would be the easiest way to deal with it. <laughs> you know, but I, mm. uh, like I said earlier, these people are friends and I didn't want to leave them in the lurch. So I had to have this call a hundred times saying, Hey, like, so, and some of them I'd been representing a very long time say, Hey, I'm, I'm no longer doing this. And I got so many different reactions during those calls. And that was always kind of hard, you know, and you had to like kind of like the call take its course. And each one I called, I already had someone in mind that I thought could take care of them. So I wanted to like say, you know, I'm doing this, this is why, but here, here's a person that I think you should talk to that I think could take care of you going forward. And, and some of the reactions were real positive. I mean, some of them are Mac power users or Mac Sparky uh, readers and listeners already that found me through that 
forum. So there, those people were like, oh, of course. I mean, why, why did it take you so long? You know? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that was nice. You know, they were very friendly and, and, and supportive. And some of my clients had no idea that I had this whole separate thing going. Some of them just thought I was a lawyer and had no other like thing. And um, those were tough because I had to tell them, oh, yeah, I've got this separate thing I've been doing 15 years that you didn't, you never knew about. And now I decided to focus on it. And and a lot of them like are not Internet savvy. So they, you know, if you try to explain it to them, it doesn't sink in. They don't think I can make a living at it. You know, one of them called me the next day and said, I, I was up all night. I think you're going through a midlife crisis and making a huge mistake. Please stop doing this and just, you know take a month off, you know, <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and so, so that was, it was sweet. And then some people were actually angry with me. Like, no, you can't do that. You're a lawyer. Don't be an idiot. You know, you're stupid. What are you doing? You know? So I had some people that were like literally mad at me. Like, I can't believe you, you could be so stupid to do this. And so then you've got to like, do you defend yourself or you just say respectfully, I disagree. I mean, how do you handle that? And so that whole process was kind of, um, uh, daunting, you know, going through that. Sure. Uh, I can, I can, uh, somewhat relate to the, uh, crossing the streams between your internet life and your quote unquote real life. <laughs> there are a lot of people who I see frequently who, uh, I think were worried about me that I didn't have a job because I, I worked online yeah. and, uh, I've referred to people that I've listened to for a long time as, kind of internet heroes. And uh, my wife kind of rolled her eyes when I first used that term. And then she met some of you, like when you came to to uh, Mac Stock a couple of years ago and she got to meet you. It's, it's kind of crossing the that barrier. It's like, oh, these people are actually real. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, a, it's a little bit, little bit jarring. I, I'm kind of curious as you're having these conversations with people, you mentioned you had some folks that you've been working with them for a long time. You represented the father. Now you're representing the son. Uh, was there any of those conversations where you walked away questioning your decision? Like maybe I'm making a mistake. Um, there were a couple that I thought, man, these people are so nice and I would so like to keep taking care of them, but there's such a cost to it. You know, one of the things I thought about when going through this whole process is what's the cost of practicing law. And, I mean, there are real costs in terms of like, you got to have insurance and you got to have a, an office and you got to have all the, you know, there's all these trappings that come with it that cost money, but it's also just the burden of like, well, you know, if something goes wrong, they need me to drop everything and work on their thing. And even just keeping a few of them, I would still have to carry that burden and by the time that kind of came up, I'd already been getting comfortable with the idea of what if I didn't have that burden. But, you know, and honestly, the other thing is, as a lawyer, you got to keep up with the changes and everything. I mean, there's a huge time and cost investment to represent one person. You know, if it's just mm-hmm. one or a hundred, a lot of those things are the same. So it just really doesn't make sense. That's the reason why once I got to 50, it was easy to get to a hundred. And the other thing I remind myself is each one of these people, I found somebody that I thought would be good, a good fit for them. And honestly, the people that I found are just as good at this stuff as I am. And the client is still going to be fine. Sure. 
as you embark on this new journey, which isn't really new, but you're, yeah. you're kind of just doubling down on the stuff that you're already doing with Max Sparky, just going to going to do it better. What are you most nervous about? Longevity. You know, I feel like I'm good for another year or two. I mean, people seem to like what I do and I've got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline and I think I'll be fine. Um, how do I stay relevant in 10 years? You know, and the law was a sure thing. Honestly, if I just kept up with the law, kept those clients, I could have made a living on them until they put me in a box. And this is not a sure thing. Um, but it's the thing that I feel that I must do. So that's on me. I got to figure it out. Let's unpack that a little bit. You mentioned this is the thing that you must do. Do you mind kind of describing a little bit what the thought process is there or what led you to that specific decision? What are some of the the feelings that you're thinking? I know you mentioned not much more time uh, possibly. And so you want to sink your teeth into this and do the very best that you can with it. But any specifics in terms of like thoughts, like I want to do this specific thing with Max Sparky before this is all done. Um, well, I mean, as I said earlier, I feel like that's kind of my sense of purpose at this point in my life. So I want to be working on that. I have a bunch of ideas for things I could do with Max Sparky um, as you know, I get through this. But right now, um, the main thing I want to do is just focus on making better and more frequent field guides. You know, the things that people like. And then I also really want to share more of the journey because one of the problems with being a lawyer was I could never screenshot anything or if I wanted to make a screencast of how I'm doing this task management thing or this calendar thing, I couldn't because it was always full of client data. So um, I'm really looking forward to being able to share more. I mean, I think that's kind of the immediate future and then kind of like blue sky. I've got some ideas down the road, but I don't want to like, really commit to that until I can figure out that I can do the stuff I'm already doing better. Sure. Uh, as you go full-time with Max Sparky here, what is the thing that you are most confident about? That, that the content will be better and more frequent. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the, cause I time track and I know that like the law practice is routinely taking between 40 and 70% of my time each week, depending on the client emergencies of the week. Like some weeks, the law practice just takes over other weeks. It's relatively quiet, but, um, but suddenly getting that time back, I mean, I'm not going to spend it, you know, picking daisies. I've got, you know, you should see my, my, you should see my schedule for next week, Mike. It's great. You know, it's, <laughs> it's full. And I know that I'm going to be able to largely stick to those commitments because I'm not going to have any phone calls that are going to like divert me. So that's the thing I'm sure of is I'll be able to put more time into it. And if I have more time, I can make it better. I know what I need to do. I just need to do it. Nice. Well, I am, I'm excited to see what a truly focused Sparky looks like in terms yeah. of uh, the the production. I think that's the the cool thing about some of these reflection questions. I got asked these recently too. And uh, the most confident about one specifically, it is essentially tied to your strengths. And uh, I think you're right that some of the strengths that make you Max Sparky, you haven't really been able to lean into simply because there's this law component to it. And you can't 
demonstrate everything if you got to blur out the screen all the time because it's just too much too much work to to do yeah. that sort of thing. So I'm I'm excited to see where you take this this sort of stuff. The other thing I, I should say that I didn't mention on the show, but is like Daisy was like a hundred percent behind me and the kids. You know, I, like I had no resistance. I mean, the night that I had kind of made the decision, we went to Disneyland and had dinner together and kind of talked it through. And she was like, if anything, too enthusiastic, you know, <laughs> because, you know, she knows the cost of the law practice because she sees firsthand, you know, I mean, I talked about this on Mac Powers, so I won't go to it in depth, but, you know, sometimes you wake up in the moonlight worried about client stuff. I can't go back to sleep and I start worried about something. I just get up and work on it. And she sees that, you know, and she really doesn't want that for me anymore. So, so she says, if there's any way you can do it, I, I, you know, I'm a hundred percent behind you. That helps. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in addition to sleeping better and the more and better field guides, what are the opportunities that you're looking forward to, or what are you most excited about with this transition? Uh, I mean, Mainly just being able to go full Max Sparky, you know, to to not have my calendar interrupted, to be able to make better stuff. I started this new Max Sparky Labs thing. It's a membership thing. I know. Don't don't roll your eyes. I think I have a good plan and I can share more stuff with people that they want to get into the to the lab. So that's gonna give me an excuse to make like quick videos and and things like quick screencasts that I can share with people on things I'm working on that don't have to be the best production values, but can really give people more insight into what I'm up to. Um, so that's going to be really fun to be able to share that. I've always wanted to do something like that. And honestly, I think maybe a little more downtime though. I mean, I, although I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working, not having two things, I think means that, you know, evenings and weekends might get a little more, a little better for me, you know, a little more, I'll get more margin in my life and that'll be nice. Yeah, I feel like the the margin specifically is going to have a whole bunch of creative benefits for you that uh, you didn't even realize was yeah. was possible. I I'm agree. excited to see what full Sparky looks like. I have so many ideas, Mike. I've got an obsidian note. I just keep writing things down in. I've I've made a script now to send things to that note because there's so many things. <laughs> uh, what will you miss the most about? not even necessarily the law career, but embracing these dual identities. You've gone all in with Max Sparky now, which is betting on yourself, essentially. Uh, and there's, uh, I think, pros and cons to, uh, to be argued there. Probably more pros than cons, but the case could be made. So what, what, what are you going to miss the most as you change your identity from I used to do two of these things to now I just do this one thing? I think the, of course, the thing I'll miss is the client relationships and successes. I mean, um, I've got pretty good at negotiating contracts over almost 30 years of doing this. And, um, just a few months ago, I had a client that we negotiated a contract for that came out that looked like it wasn't going to happen and they needed it to happen. And we were able to get there with all sorts of clever lawyer tricks that I pulled. And, and there is a satisfaction to that and knowing that you help somebody. But to be honest, I feel like that was a phase of my life that's now over. I don't think I'm going to miss it that much. I think I'm going to look back on it fondly. I mean, as I sit here, I'm very early in the process, but I don't think I'm going to miss much of it. 
I, I enjoyed it. It was a good thing. It served me well, uh, but I'm not going to miss it. Yeah. One of the things that uh, you had mentioned in the Mac Power Users episode, which I thought was very interesting, was the fact that your cells change, completely change. Your entire body completely changes every so many years. And that got me thinking about this story of Theseus, who's the guy who beat the Minotaur. And for a long time, they maintained his ship and they kept replacing parts. And after a while, it's no longer the the same ship, but they still uh, still have this thing in the harbor, you know, as Theseus's ship. And uh, I think that's uh, there's a lot of parallels there with kind of what you're doing as you move from the law career to the Max Sparky career. It, it wasn't a, a all of a sudden thing. It was a little bit here, a little bit there, as you uh, kind of change and, and you're still David Sparks, but. Uh, it's kind of interesting when you zoom out, you can see that shift happening more gradually. Yeah. And uh, I, I think this is uh, anyone who, who gets that full, full uh, spectrum view can kind of see logically how this all plays out. But when you just take two snapshots in time, it's easy to see, well, or it makes it feel like a bigger jump maybe than it, than it really is. Cause this is who you've, who you've become over the last several years. Yeah. Yeah. And that seven years thing. So I read it in a book by the Dalai Lama and I loved the idea of it. So I've always carried it around. In fact, I use that on friends when they're beating themselves up. They're saying, I can't believe I did that. And sometimes it's like something they did 15 years ago. I'm like, dude, that was two humans ago. That was two, two versions of you ago. You're not that version anymore. It's okay. Let go, you know? And, um, but I just looked it up while you were talking and that is seven to 10 years. So, um, it is interesting to think about your life that way, that you do regenerate every seven to 10 years. So why are you hung up on something that you did 30 years ago? That was several versions of you ago. Right. And then along with those decisions that you make are a whole bunch of ramifications that go along with that. Uh, I know some of the frustrations you've shared with me having to deal with emergencies that you had no control over, but uh, what is the thing that you're just completely glad this is out of my life and I'm not going to miss this at all. Uh, that is probably the primary one. Um, the, you know, the law, the lack of control over my own schedule, but I mean, that's the job you get paid for it. And that's what you accept that, you know, that's you accept the checks when they pay the invoices and you agree that you're going to give them your time whenever they need it. That's kind of the way that's, that's the gig, right? Yep, And I'm giving up all the money, but I'm also giving up the responsibility to respond. And that's the part that I, uh, I'm looking forward to set behind me. It's funny because as we record this, it, I only have like two days left as a lawyer. And just this morning I had somebody send me a bunch of stuff because there was a last minute thing and it had to get taken care of. So it's like, it, 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 it still is there with me, man, but starting next week, that's not going to be a thing. This episode of Focused is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace has got you covered. They combine cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, which makes it easier than ever to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything that you could possibly need to create a beautiful and modern website. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, and more with just a few clicks. And if you really want to jump in and tweak things, you can even edit the code. 
All Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile, so you don't have to do that though. Your content is automatically going to adjust to the screen size, so it will look great on any device. As a former web developer myself, believe me, that's harder than it sounds sometimes. You also get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. There is nothing to patch or upgrade. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you do need any help, and they even let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, you get everything that you need for SEO and email marketing so you can focus on your content and get your ideas out there. You could use Squarespace to turn your big idea into a new website, showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs, publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and much more. As a former web developer, let me tell you, making a great looking website is harder than it may seem, but Squarespace makes it incredibly easy. In fact, it is the tool that I go to whenever I need to spin up a new site now. I used it when we set up the Intentional Family podcast that I do with my wife. I used it when my church came to me and asked for some help putting together a new website that I didn't want to have to maintain. And many, many other examples, I am a very happy paying Squarespace customer myself. They make it so incredibly easy to get started, and the end result really looks great. I have a web development background. I know how hard it is to code these things from scratch. And with Squarespace, what you get is something that honestly, in a lot of ways, looks even better and more professional for a lot less time and effort. You'll be surprised at how quickly you can get your site off the ground. In fact, I challenge you, next time you have an idea for something, go to Squarespace and just spin up a site. You can try it before you pay for it and see how far you can get with just a couple of hours. Okay, so if you're building a website from scratch, you know a couple of hours is not gonna get you very far. But with Squarespace, you might be able to get the whole project done and live to the web, and it'll look great. So head over to squarespace.com focused for a free trial with no credit card required. Squarespace.com F-O-C-U-S-E-D. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com focused. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code focused to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the Focus podcast. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of RelayFM. So now let's get into some of the, the nitty gritty here from the productivity side. You've let go of a lot of those emergencies and fires. You've got more control over your time. You've got maybe some additional margins so you can do things a little bit better. Let's talk a little bit about how you're going to implement some of this stuff. So how do you see just focusing on Max Sparky versus balancing that plus the law career? How do you see your day-to-day changing? Um, I think I'm going to get more reliable time into the field guides every day which means they're going to come out more often. There's like some updates I've been wanting to do. I'll finally get time to do those. And just in general, there'll be a more regular release cycle and the quality will be better because I won't always feel rushed when I have to work on them. And and I, I think they're good quality now, but I feel like I could do better and this will you know help that. So that that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is just, like giving me that margin gives me room to do things more regularly and routinely. Um, I've talked on the show about running downhill. I even wrote about it in the blog post, but um, I, uh, I want to get better with like even the podcast planning, the, 
the newsletters and the webinars that I release, I want them to be more regular and better. You know, everything to me is like, I want them to be, um, you know, more reliable and higher quality. And I'm not saying that I feel like my work has been garbage. I feel like I've been doing good work, but I feel like I could do better if I was able to give all my time to this. And that's, that's really what I'm looking for probably in this first year. I'm not going to change a whole lot. The only thing commitment I really added was the Max Sparky Labs, which is the membership thing. But that's stuff I'm going to be doing anyway. I'm just setting up a way to share it and giving people a way to help support me that want to. And um, and so I, I really am focusing not on like signing on for a bunch of new commitments here, but just like taking the ones I have and doing them better. There's new, no new podcast planned or anything. Um, I expect you'll see a few more field guides than one in a year, and um, and that uh, and hopefully everything the quality dial gets turned up on. Sure. Now I know we've talked about how when it comes to creating specifically, you can't just endlessly create. Uh, you're not going to get 40 hours worth of creative work done in in a week. So how are you thinking you're going to balance this? Because I think when you have two different things going on, you can kind of jump back and forth between those things and use that transition. It's kind of a reset to to get amped up for the, the yeah. next thing. But now you're you're going all in with Max Sparky. You're going to be creating. You're going to share more of the process. That sounds great. But uh, how do you plan to manage the ebbs and flows of the the day-to-day? Are you going to, you know, focus on recording in the morning because that's when you're sharpest? Uh, are you going to use the afternoon as your thinking time about new projects? What's uh, kind of your new ideal schedule and i know i'm asking you this before you've actually implemented it so are you looking over my shoulder mike are you looking at my fantastic color right now because that's basically what i'm gonna do (laughs) no i'm not (laughs) but i think that's a great great first step as you're you're planning this again it's going to change plans are worthless but planning is everything but uh we talk about time blocking and intention and all that so this just seems like the natural next step for you <laughs> yeah and and then like i have two podcasts this one and automators that are bi-weekly and i have been talking to you and, and rosemary so we're scheduling recording times for these shows where i'm gonna have for every two weeks one week we'll have um the majority of the podcast recording in it and the other week we'll have just one podcast to record and that gives me that's the real heavy production weeks for me and i like the idea of kind of being able to bunch in both directions like okay i'm the next three or four days i'm going to be working really hard on making great podcasts and the next week i'm going to be working really hard on making great field guides and i'll still do field guides on the podcast weeks but not i won't expect as much from myself and I like, so I, I'm already kind of putting some things in place, but I'm also taking a really open mind to this. Um, I feel like this is, you know, anytime you make a big transition, it gives you a chance to reevaluate how you spend your time and what your habits are. And I'm I'm aware of that going in. So I'm not going to like lock everything down, but I'm I'm being very mindful of what I've got ahead of me. What does that do in terms of batching to the way that you currently manage your projects uh if uh, again i'm just thinking out loud here you've got the the law career where things are going to pop up so you kind of have to build in a margin for the things that you're going to try to get done on the max sparky side but i'm assuming you're you have prioritized order of, of those things and when you 
when you batch things and theme things like you're, you're doing where you have one week is the podcast, another one, the next week is the, the field guides, maybe that messes up some of your start due date, you know, how you slot these things into your, uh, your calendar. So what are some of the specific strategies, I guess, for how you're, you're thinking you're going to do this? Well, I mean, to begin with, I put them on the calendar and I use time blocks, you know, so like I've already blocked out time over the next couple of weeks, but I've also left a lot of gaps. And to me, the morning is basically the best creative time for me and when I make my best stuff. So I try to do that primarily and I'm trying to protect those um, and then keep the afternoons relatively open. So then I can say, well, maybe I feel like making more content or maybe I need to work on back end things. I mean, there's a million little things going on this whole time. I switched the blog to WordPress and I had to integrate it for the labs and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So I've got other things I need to work on too. So in in general, I'm, I'm like blocking about a week and a half out and, and expecting those blocks to largely stick. I mean, what I did historically was I tried to spend the morning on Max Barkey and the afternoon on the law. But if a client writes you at four o'clock and says, Hey, we got to get this deal done and I need to get it back to them by noon tomorrow. Well, guess what just happened to tomorrow's Max Barkey time? You know, yeah, it just went out the window. And then, like, okay, I got that done. I got it delivered by noon. I've been working in the evening and all morning on this very, you know, brain intensive project. Am I really going to sit down and record screencasts in the afternoon? No, I'm not going to. It's just not going to happen. So, so that variable has been removed. Um, so I think it's going to get easier and better. But you know, I. I'm just starting this now. So I, I think we'll have to check in on it. But but what I'm trying to do is be conscious of the fact that I don't want to take on a bunch more commitments, that I'm going to be blocking mornings largely and trying to keep time in the afternoons for the other stuff, you know, like phone calls and meetings. I, I have more of a team now. Maybe that's another day, but I've actually built a little team around Max Barkey at this point, and I need to take care mm-hmm. of that. And so there, there's other things that I need to work on as well. So, uh, but the initial plan is mornings are going into creative work and the afternoons are going into admin work. Do you think that, uh, I, I know typically you would do your weekly review on Sundays and, uh, maybe with things getting a little bit simpler, you, uh, have the ability to simplify your task management. So are you still thinking everything's going to stay in OmniFocus and this is just what I've done. I'm just going to do it on a smaller scale. Are you going to do more analog stuff for like the moving the needle stuff that you've done in the past? Uh, How do you think that this simplification changes some of the ways that you manage your tasks or does it just stay the same? Uh, Well, I'm using the same tools for now, but I'm also aware that I have new options that I didn't have before and I'm going to be looking at that stuff. I will tell you that OmniFocus is better now than it's ever been for me because as I've been sending clients off, I've been dropping massive amounts of tasks out of my database. (laughs) Sure. And so suddenly OmniFocus is a lot cleaner uh, for me. Um, So that's nice. But, you know, I I don't know. I'm going to look at, I want to look at everything, man. I mean, 
there's ways to manage tasks in Obsidian. There are great, you know, other smaller task managers. I mean, reminders on the on the Apple platform is really good now. So I'll look at. I'm going to look at tools. Um, I really like the way OmniFocus hyperlinks, and to me, that's a big deal. You know, like I have an Obsidian page for every major project, and having OmniFocus one click out of that direct link is nice and. And I need to explore with, you know, is that even possible with some of these other apps? I mean, there, there's different things going on, but that kind of goes back to the idea of, you know, with a transition, you should keep open to anything and I'm going to be. Sure. I am assuming that in the transition, kind of everything maybe is is blown up a little bit, but how do you feel this single focus now affects some of the stuff that you talked about with moving the needle maybe how has or how will your definition of a successful day change when you just have max sparky stuff to, to deal with instead of balancing the the client needs well it's going to be easier to feel like i'm moving the needle honestly i think because it's easier to evaluate when you only have one career instead of two <laughs> sure I mean, I've I've had two careers for, well, not, I started Max Barkey like 15 years ago, but for at least the last probably 10 years, it's been almost like a, a career to me, but I've always been juggling weekends, nights, you know, in order to keep both masters happy, you got to work a lot. And this gives me an opportunity to, to turn that back a little bit. What does this do to your arate? What roles maybe are no longer there that you're not measuring and are there any new ones just one role is dropped lawyer you know <laughs> sure i mean in my arate um lawyer and max sparky there's like i think 10 of these categories and they are each represent one of the 10 they're 10 percent of how i judge myself i mean it's not the the way you know my that is not the i mean the father is and husband are way more important you know in my mind so th- this is you know a relatively small part of who i am in that regard and uh you know and it's a thing i did and it's the thing i no longer do i mean i really feel like it's a one way trip um and that's a little scary sometimes when you do something i mean between school that was seven years and I practiced 20 years. That's a 35 year endeavor to think that you're walking away from it can, can feel a little intimidating, but I think it's, it's okay. You know, that's life. Yeah. I get, I think the other thing that, that um, helped me make the decision honestly was the Ryan holiday courage book, because when I started mm-hmm. thinking about what I really wanted to accomplish, um, fear was keeping me in the law in a lot of ways. I mean, not entirely, but that was an element of it. And once I recognized that, it was easier to throw it overboard. Sure. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I've read Courage's Calling this year also. And uh, it's a, a great motivational book to get you to take those chances that your rational mind can kind of convince you that's that's too scary. Uh, as you make this transition, is there anything else about your day-to-day maybe your routines that changes either positive or positively or negatively. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. um, so this is not like, it's not like I'm taking on a new career. I've been doing the field guides for 10 years and 
Um, I've been doing Max Sparky stuff and making these podcasts. So I know what I'm going to be doing, but the lack of that wild card phone call or email, it, it's got to be good, right? That you don't have that happen anymore. I mean, imagine you had a job where at any point, someone from a different department can come and say, Oh, I know this is important to you, but you need to do my thing first. Well, imagine if that stopped one day, how does that change your relationship with the work? Mm -hmm. I don't know how it all plays out. Um, you know, as we record this, I'm really just getting to the payoff, but I, um, I, I can tell you that my, uh, I, I feel really good about it and it is scary. You know, I'm giving up that money and it is scary. Um, you know, taking yourself out of something that, you know, you could have made a living at for the rest of your life, you know, to kind of like leave that aside. I think that's why, frankly, some people got, were angry with me is because they recognized that, no, you had a good thing. Why would you stop that? That's stupid, you know? And, um, so that, that is a little scary, but honestly, the, the good outweighs the bad here. You know, I, I really feel like, this is going to give me a chance to really focus on what's truly important and fulfill um, a part of me that needs fulfillment. So I, I can't wait to get started. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see what you're able to do as you embrace this. I, I don't want to say wholeheartedly, but kind of, <laughs> because uh, I know like we've had Sean McCabe on the the show to talk about the sabbaticals and that was always like never even an option for you because yeah. you got clients and they need to be responded to. So maybe we can get you to take a sabbatical now and you can do a few more of these productivity experiments. And, and I, I think that's going to be really cool to see you share the, the process as you figure all this stuff out. Yeah. I actually, at one point through the pr- transition process, I texted Sean and said, Hey, guess what? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and he wrote back, he was very positive, but I, I feel like, yeah, now I may be able to do that once in a while, you know? And if I can, you know, hit some ship dates and get some stuff taken care of as I've got the team kind of growing to handle the back end stuff, uh, maybe there will be, it will be easier for me to disconnect once in a while. And um, even like, you know, we've got a couple vacations planned for 2022 and it was always hard to take those with clients because you just, you know, you just never know. And, sure. uh, I, and like Daisy's very excited to take me on vacation without having to deal with a client. And I'm sure there'll be some Max Sparky stuff to handle, but most of that is predictable and manageable. It's not the same. Right. You made a comment a little bit ago about this giving you the freedom to express something in you that needs to be expressed. And I'm kind of curious, if you don't mind, in your own words, defining for yourself, you know, what this purpose is. You mentioned this is the the thing for you. Max Sparky is the thing. And people who listen to this show have a general idea of what a Max Sparky is and, <laughs> and what you do. But if you were to define it today... What is your purpose that you're excited about leaning into? I feel like um, the thing I can help people with is the technology problem. You know, the, the problem is technology is growing rapidly and it's sold as snake oil. I mean, they tell you, you just get this technology, your life will be better. Well, how many people that have a thousand items in their email inbox are going to tell you that technology makes life better? I mean, in a lot of ways, we've just enslaved ourselves to it. 
or we they or technology has become a distraction device to keep you from doing you know you've got this great novel in you but instagram keeps calling you you know um there's just like there's so many problems with technology but i do think there is a path there is a path of using technology to be more productive and if you're going to do that with apple technology i think i've got a lot of ideas and i can help you and i want to help people do that and having made these field guides having heard from customers I have been doing it, but I think I could do it even better and more effectively if I gave it all my time. That's the purpose in my mind. This episode of the Focus Podcast is brought to you by one of my favorite apps, Timing, the intelligent time tracking app you can trust. Go to timingapp.com slash focused for 10% off your purchase. Whether you're billing by the hour, employed, or billing per project, you might need to estimate how long a task is going to take. Or maybe you just want a better understanding of where your time goes so you can make some positive changes. I can tell you that time tracking has helped me a ton, and I do it with timing. Time tracking helps you stay on track with those estimates to make sure you don't end up in the red with your projects and to make more accurate estimates in the future. But in today's work environment, work changes so quickly that you can't start and stop a timer for everything. The good news is your computer already knows what you do. So why not have it track time for you? Timing automatically tracks everything you do on your Mac without having to lift a finger. You can trust it to always give you the complete picture. Timing will detect when you're in a video call and lets you record what the meeting was about afterwards. And there's even more magic like this in timing to make recording your time as easy as possible. Plus, you can enjoy the activity screen, which presents your app usage, including websites, file paths, and window titles. And if you want to, you can start and stop timers from within the main timing app. And if you are collaborating with colleagues, Timing's Teams feature lets you share projects with them and record everyone's time in a central location, which lets managers get a quick overview of where their team members spend their time while preserving their privacy. Because which apps, documents, and websites each team member use stays private and is not visible to managers. Plus, with a super slick onboarding process, everyone will be up to speed in no time. I keep timing running on my Mac at all times because it is the definitive source of what I've been doing. Whenever I try to manually uh, throw timers, I just never get them or I forget about them. It's just it's just a hard habit to stay on top of. With timing, I know to the minute when I started working on a project and when I finished. And, and this gives me great information so I can make informed decisions about what I should be doing and should not be doing or how long exactly did it take me to do that thing. It's easy to learn. You put it in your menu bar and it just starts working for you. It even automatically starts categorizing for you. So it saves you that trouble as well. So if you want to take control how you spend your time and improve your productivity, download a free 14-day trial today by going to timingapp.com focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, and save 10% when you subscribe. That's timingapp.com focused to try Timing for free and save 10% when you subscribe. And our thanks to Timing for their support of the Focus Podcast and all of Relay FM. So enough about me gazing at my navel, gang. Um, Mike and I had started some segments on the show that we didn't really sort out last year. We're going to try and make this a more regular thing on the show. And the two of them are Shiny Objects and Focus Challenges. So, Mike, let's talk about shiny objects. Anything lately in your life that's helping you uh, 
stay more focused? <laughs> sure. Well, I uh, have this beanbag chair that I have in my office, which uh, I got inspired after we talked to Sean McCabe because I know he talked about he uses his beanbag chair as his thinking chair. Yeah. And so that got me me thinking about how I could incorporate that into my office setup. I don't have a ton of room, but I do have room in the corner kind of underneath my whiteboard for a, a beanbag chair. We also have five kids at home, not a huge house. It's not a small house, but we don't have like a, a guest bedroom if someone were to come and stay with us. Not that that happens a ton anymore, but uh, around the, the same time as I was looking at these beanbag chairs, uh, I came across a, a Shark Tank episode where this company called Corduroys was on and they have this beanbag chair where you uh, can take off the cover and the foam inside of it will expand. And so you lay it out flat and it puffs up and it becomes like a, a queen size mattress. Wow. So I have this beanbag chair, which doubles as a guest bed if we would need it in my office. And it is super comfy. Uh, I've had the chair for probably a couple of months at this point. But the, the new thing that I got is they also make an ottoman. And so I have the beanbag chair in the corner, but I also have this ottoman, which allows me to, uh, same company, Corduroys, uh, so I can put my my feet up. And uh, sometimes I just sit in that chair and take a nap. It feels so good. <laughs> well, also, I, I really, because I have a comfy chair in my studio that I like as well. Um, first of all, I like it because my, my dog sleeps on it all day while I work and she's right next to me. And that's just, that's awesome. And, uh, but also I go there like to do reviews and like at the end of the day, review my task list and I'll sit there with an iPad and an Apple pencil and work in it. And it's definitely a context change to sitting in front of my big screen. And, um, it sounds silly, but it does help. And it's like, I identify things that I do there, like project reviews always happen in that chair. And it's like sitting in the chair almost starts like, you know, gearing up my brain for that project. Um, I don't sleep in it much, but I, I do sit in it and I read books and do work in it. And I am a big fan of having a comfy chair in your office or your studio. So I'm glad you did that. Well, I, I hadn't intended to use it as the napping chair, but, uh, you have, convinced me to uh <laughs> to embrace the nap and uh just sitting in this chair it's so comfortable that it 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 happens sometimes. Wait, wait I can't just <laughs> let that slide by. Are you napping frequently now? Well, uh I guess you could call it frequently. Uh probably a couple times a week I yeah. will sit in that chair and uh the big thing for me last time we talked about the subject of napping was that you don't actually have to fall asleep. Yeah. You eliminate that pressure and you just say, I'm going to sit in this chair and relax for the next 15 minutes. That's, that's good enough. Uh, and so I've been doing that a lot. I can find 15 minutes here and there and just sitting in the chair and, and, uh, chillaxing. That's, uh, the lower barrier to entry for me than laying down on the couch for some stupid reason. Yeah. That feels like a major commitment to me, <laughs> but laying in the, like sitting in the chair and just resting, uh, occasionally falling asleep. That's easy. Yeah. The trick for me is never more than 30 minutes. You know, I usually set mm -hmm. a, a timer for 35 minutes. So I give myself five minutes to fall asleep. And then after 30 minutes and I don't do it every day, but if I feel myself dragging at like, you know, one or two in the afternoon, I will absolutely take a 30 minute nap and I get so much more done the rest of the day from the nap. It's like a, it's like a small investment for a huge payoff. Yep. 
even when I worked at the law firm and, you know, that was not cool, right? Like they didn't have like nap beds at my law firm. I would like just pack a sandwich and then I would eat a quick lunch and I would go down in my car in the parking structure and just take a nap in my car for 30 minutes. So I never told anybody there I was doing that. That was my secret, but you know, so I, I, if you haven't tried naps and you find yourself not being very productive in the afternoon, I would recommend trying it, but don't sleep so long that you get into REM cycle, then you're a dead man. <laughs> Wise words. What about you? I bought something that came up on the show. I don't remember which guest it was that talked to us about the time timer. And it's, oh, yes. it's made for kids and teachers. It's a little timer. It's like a, you know, kitchen timer, but it's got an ingenious little thing that when you spin it, it, it has like a solid bar that shows you the amount of time left on the timer. And I didn't think I needed this because I run timers on my Apple watch all the time. Like I'll sit down to do an email session. I'll set a 30 minute timer and just set a timer on my watch and I'm good. But I do a lot of work at my desk. And I thought that maybe if I had a visual reminder that I was on a timer, it would be help me make sure I stay on track that I don't like, you know, drift off into something else during my timer, which I do sometimes. And so I bought one. It was like 20 bucks. It wasn't super expensive. It's just, a, it's just like a little kind of clock thing. And um, I got the basic one in gray and it sits on my desk and I've been using it for a couple of weeks and I'm sold. I mean, it's a great little thing. It's a good investment if you try to run time blocks. Yeah, this is a, a really cool device. I have not used one myself for my work, although we do have one in the house that we use for managing video game time because uh, we have four boys who love their video games and managing the <laughs> the uh, exchange uh, between somebody's time and another one starting uh, was a pretty big chore as people want. Just a few more minutes to wrap up and things yeah. like that. So yeah. it, pretty much overnight, buying this time timer uh, eliminated all of the the stress from managing the process for mainly my my wife. I'm down here holed up in my focus cave. She's upstairs with the kids, does a majority of the the homeschooling that we do. So it's yeah. been a big help for her. When my kids were little, it was like uh, one of the things I learned that I never would have guessed is that a kitchen timer is gospel truth to children. And mm -hmm. like if you <laughs> tell them that you have they have five minutes to go to bed. And then five minutes later, you tell them it's time to go to bed. They never believe you. But if you tell them when the kitchen timer goes off, you have to go to bed, they don't question it. It is like, you know, straight from heaven. So I, uh, it's kind of funny, but the, uh, that works. So I can see how this would work with kids. Yeah. It works with, with me too. So there you have it. <laughs> so, uh, you've got some challenges that you've uh, got to figure out here uh, a little bit different than the challenges where we give each other, but uh, I thought maybe we could just give you some space to talk through some of the things that you're thinking through in, in the middle of all of this transition for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it has been crazy. Shutting down the law practice took way more time than I estimated it would have. And that's probably was poor foresight. I mean, I should have known better that it was going to take a lot of time but so I've been shutting it down for the last three months and winding up Max Sparky for this big transition at the same time. And I haven't had a lot of time to think through, like, how does this change the daily routine and things like that? But I'm very aware of that 
This is a major transition in my life, and it is a chance for me to turn the apple cart upside down. So I want to do that mindfully. And uh, so the challenge I'm giving myself is to do that, to pay attention over the next couple months as things change and not just fall into habits because that's what I've always done or because that's what, you know, at the time I, is most expedient, but try to engineer my life around this stuff in a way that makes the most sense and serves the bigger purpose for me. So um, I'm really going to be spending a lot of time evaluating myself and thinking about planning and going forward um, how this works. And uh, that's that's the thing I haven't done enough work on yet, but it's something I know I need to do. And I'm I'm going to try and be very conscious of that. I've added some questions to my daily kind of review questions and and uh, I'm going to try and like force myself to confront these issues daily, at least for the immediate future. Yeah, a wise man once told me that when you're going through some significant life change, that's the perfect time to consider your habits. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And um, and I need to like figure out what that means. You know, I mean, am I going to? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't know what it all means yet. But like, what what is the start time? When's the end time? How do I handle email? I mean. Like a lot of stuff that I had to do before because I was legally obligated and now a bunch of that isn't there anymore. So, you know, what does that mean with everything? And we talked about apps a little bit on the show and I don't think I'm going to have it all sorted out in a month or two, but I, I have this exciting journey ahead of me where I get to kind of reconsider everything and I, I can't wait to get started on it. All right. So we'll check in next time and find out if you are uh crazy productive or if you have just started playing fall in order more <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah actually, i haven't played that for i haven't played that since this all started i'm on like my third <laughs> run through <laughs> all right so i'll i'll take the same challenge because uh just with timing and you making this move and everything we uh didn't do a, a whole lot in terms of how we think about the the next year but I'm kind of going through some some stuff too and and reconsidering my habits and routines. And so uh, I think maybe next episode we can talk about our end of the year review process and some of the changes maybe that we're making as we go into 2022 and what we hope to see from from those changes. Yeah, let's do that. And I, I can report back because then I'll actually have some data. I'll have actually been in the trenches a little bit. All right. Sounds great. Well, as we... Uh, wrap up this episode. I just want to say I'm, I'm really excited about the, the future for you. I think that everything Max Sparky is about to get a whole lot better and uh, we'll have links to all the stuff, including the labs for people who want to take a look at the different support options in the, the show notes, which by the way, I think you did a great job explaining the differences between those different levels. Looks great. And people can identify with any one of those, you know, the, the amount of access that they want. Uh, I appreciate the fact that it's not an all or nothing sort of thing because those typically I'll sign up for those. And then I, I don't have the opportunity to join the the live calls, whatever. And I feel like I'm kind of wasting money on the, the membership. So you've got a lot of different options there, which make a lot of sense and uh, excited about what's in store for you in 2022. Yeah. And to peek behind the curtain a little bit, I just want to thank you, Mike, you were a uh key player in this for me a great friend and you and some of our other friends were giving me prods when i needed them and um as i've been going through trying to get everything because i did all this kind of secretly i couldn't really share it with the world 
until now because I didn't want a client to hear that they were losing their lawyer on a podcast, you know? And <laughs> sure. Um, but I had to kind of keep a bunch of the secret, but you've been really good about kind of helping me behind the scenes with all this stuff. And and thank you. Uh, well, thank you. All right. We are the Focus Podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash focused. We've got a great catalog of shows back there. We're going to have even better ones the next year. Mike and I are working hard at planning right now for the next year. Um, I want to thank our sponsors, Indeed, Squarespace, and Timing. Um, and if you want to support us, you can join the Deep Focus, the member program, where you get a little extra content. You get no ads. And uh, today in our Deep Focus, we're getting into board games. So we're going to be talking about Mike's new board game table and how we're using them. So anyway, we'll see you there. And thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>